Good afternoon and welcome to the Middle East Forums webinar and podcast series Israel Insider this week with Naved Romi. I'm Stacey Roman and I'll be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have Naved Romi, who sees, oversees the day-to-day -day operations of MEF uh, Israel Victory Project in Israel, join us to discuss uh, the events going on in Israel this week. Naved will be giving us a briefing on current Israeli affairs for 15 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. And with that, I'll turn the discussion over to Navet Dromi. Thank you, Stacey. It's good to be here. Um, I think you said it right, that I will try to make some, I don't know, to frame what's going on in Israel these days. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be um, webinar about the offer of the president of Israel, Buzi Herzog, which was a big deal last week. But since uh, things in Israel are moving very fast and changing from day to day, from the day begins at one point and in one storm and ends in a completely different point with a new storm. And sometimes it's really hard to follow up what's going on. Uh, I will go back to the, the proposal of Buzi Herzog last week. Um, so when everything became uh, an issue, um, the president got more place as a moderator, as a, someone that trying to fill the gap between the, the camps in Israel, between the ideologies. Um, and I think... Um, what happened with the proposal that uh, he offered, that, uh, he that he put on the table, that he lost in the eyes of some of the public um, his title as moderator, since, tho since those that are pro the legal reform uh, saw his plan as a plan that served those who are against the legal reform. So you could see that those that are uh, going out to the streets and protest against the legal reform are embracing the president proposal. And those that embracing uh, Simcha Rotman and Yeriv Levin, the minister of legislation, uh, completely rejecting the president offer. There are different political speculations about what happened, what changed, uh, what made him put this specific proposal on the table. Uh, but since it's all speculations, I don't think um, it's the right place to go there because I don't know what's true and what, what is not true. Uh, but what happened since then is that in the last few days, the coalition, the coalition that is the one that promoting the legal reform, uh, the coalition was the one that uh, delivered a new reform when it comes to the committee that choosing the judges to the Supreme Court. So if the legal reform in general includes many anecdotes and many issues, what they did, they took the subject, which it has they took the, the, the more heavy subject, which is this committee, the committee that choosing the judges, they 
put all the focus on this one, they, ch they changed it. So it will be more flexible than the first version of what they offered. And they said, for now, we're moving on with this reform, just this committee, and we will continue with the other issues after we come back from the spring break, which is right around the corner in Pesach, which is in about eight days. And what they did with the new version is that they still um, leaving judges in the committee that will have some say on who will be the judges. The criticism until today was the criticism from this coalition, which was until not long ago, the opposition. And the criticism for, from the right-wing camp was that the judges are the ones that choosing themselves. And the reform was one that was supposed to change it, meaning that judges won't be able to choose judges. And whoever will pick them will be the Knesset members, uh, the people that uh, the people chose for. And in this version, it's a bit, it's, it's, it's there, but it's a bit complicated. So the new version saying that there will be, and I apologize if I'm mistaken, but I'm pretty sure I'm not, um, three ministers, which are obviously from the coalition, any coalition, three Knesset members from the coalition, two Knesset members from the opposition, and three judges, including the president of the Supreme Court. In addition, they said that the next two judges that will be elected will be elected by the coalition and the opposition. The next two judges, the judges in the committee will have veto on who will be the judge. Until now, they could have veto on any person. Now they have only on, they only have veto from a certain point. I know it sounds complicated. It sounds complicated also for me, and I'm not sure that this will solve it. Um, the reaction was very interesting. I remind you, this is a softer version of a certain paragraph in the legal reform. It's not all of it. It's just this certain uh, uh, subject, the committee that chooses the judges. And the reaction was that the camp, the ideological, the political camp of uh, Simcha Rotman and Yariv Levin wasn't very happy because they felt that Levine and Rotman changed it to something which is not very good, that they gave up due to the protest and due to the pressure of the opposition. Their ideological camp felt that they, that they broke them, that they gave up. The other camp, the camp that go out to the streets and protest, they also didn't like it because they said that it doesn't change a thing and the new version still gives the politician more power to choose the judges. So it seems like none of the sides 
were happy. I do have to say that there is some voice, there are voices in the camp of Fortman and Levine that think that this version is good. It's good because they didn't give up on the place of the judges in it. Because one thing that continues and repeats in all the questions and all the interviews is what the coalition will do if the Supreme Court decide to cancel the reform, to cancel some clause in the reform, to do something. And there is an argument saying that if they are leaving judges to be part of the process to choose judges, then the Supreme Court won't abolish the, the reform. And again, this is also speculation. And there is now also, you could see today, there were huge arguments in the committee that deal with the reform. There were arguments in the Knesset itself. Um, I heard one argument of um, of a, a legal reporter saying that one of the reasons that the opposition um, is disrupting the, the, the process is that because they want to come to the Supreme Court and tell the Supreme Court the process of the decision of, the, of how decisions were made is wrong. And this is why you can't have, you can't accept the reform. So to be honest, I, I think that in two months, there is a good possibility that we will discuss it in this webinar again, because obviously, no matter what the coalition will get, what reform will be will will accept, the opposition will go to the Supreme Court and ask to examine the reform that the coalition is trying to promote, and this is going to be a non-ending story. And if the Supreme Court decides that they are not accepting the new legal reform, then what the coalition should do? Because they would say, there is nothing we can do that somehow change the legal system because it will always get to the Supreme Court and they will always cancel it. So we are might, I don't know, I feel sometimes I feel that we are in a loop, that we are not seeing the end of it. And again, this is just the first step, the first step. They still have plans and things that they want to do. And you can see how sometimes in interviews, uh, people ask them, what are you going to do? You had so many plans, you are not able to go through with this first plan. How is it going to look? And it seems like this government, this coalition is not having an easy life since it was established. Um, and uh, you have to remember that all this is happening while it seems like what really uh, is in the mind of, uh, of Prime Minister Netanyahu is the thing with Iran. So you could hear some voices saying that Netanyahu doesn't care about the legal reform. He just wanted to end because he won't to have his mind on Iran. But this is another issue, maybe in another webinar. Um, I hope I was able to do some order in what's going on. Sometimes I'm still doing it for myself. 
if there are any questions, I'll be happy to answer. At least I will do my best to answer. All right, thank you so much. The first question is from David Edmond asking or stating, I am reading that there is a great certainty that all Likud MKs will vote in unison. Uh, how can they be so sure on this? That the Likud MKs will vote how? In unison together as one. Because there is what they call a coalition discipline. If the coalition decides that they are going together with this law, then they are all voting together. Even if there is a Knesset member that doesn't agree with this clause or this clause, that there were certain Knesset members in the last few days that said what I mentioned before, that this is a very weak reform and that uh, Levin and Rotman uh, were defeated by the left and they're against the reform, but still, when it comes to voting, they will vote with the coalition because there is what we call a coalition discipline, that if there was a decision, you have to go uh, with the coalition. I think there was only one time in this government that it, uh, it wasn't like that. Um, when Amir Ohana, the chair of the Knesset, voted with the opposition on something related to LGBT, but I'm not sure. Don't take me as granted. All right, thank you so much. And on that, uh, which points or issues do you think that the pro-reform camp won't budge on? The, the pro-reform camp? To be honest, I, I, I don't know. I think th there are some clause um, which, uh, for example, there is what we call in Hebrew, which in English, I would say in a very shallow English, uh, is it likable or not? Is it possible or not? Which is something very fluidic, but, uh, and, and the ideological camp of Levin and Rotman doesn't like this uh, this fluid, fluid fluidity issue, but I think they might compromise on it because even if you take it out, judges can still find other arguments to to have this verdict or another. They don't need this clause; they can find it in the other issues. Uh, so this is something that I think they might give up. Um, there, is, there is also the clause that we call Piscated Gabot, clause that's saying that if the Supreme Court decides something, you need to have number of X Knesset member in order to abolish what the Supreme Court just said. And this is under argument in the coalition because I think the ultra-Orthodox parties wanted to be 61 Knesset members Netanyahu thinks, again, I believe it wants to be, it can be more than 61. There are Knesset members in the coalition that thinks that if you are changing the committee that chooses the judges and there is and there are no judges there, then you don't have, you don't need this clause to get over the Supreme Court because judges don't choose themselves. So it's very different. I mean, so it's verified from this point to another and which reform will 
go through in on this issue and on the other issue and and i can't really tell thank you so much and on the flip side of that are there any that seem the most easily compromisable uh any issues that that uh, there is a middle ground that both sides would accept um I don't know. I don't know. I think it's it's become a very emotional um, dispute in Israel. Um, there are that thinks that it's not even about the legal reform, but it's a debate between the right and the left. Um, and those are saying, as I said before, that the new version of the committee um, is too soft. And from the other side, those are saying that uh, the new version is a is a lie and there is no change and it's still going to to change the way the regime in Israel that Israel will change from democracy to monarchy or a dictatorship. So I think it's very very emotional. Um, it's depend on the Knesset members and if they will be able to to put the background noises in the side and speak between them. Uh, it seems like there is the out talks between the coalition and Amakhanamamlakti of Benny Gantz that they are the most um, likable party from the opposition to negotiate with the coalition. But at this point, again, it will only be a speculation. So I don't know. And there is a very, I mean, all the situation, I mean, as I said in the beginning, from one storm to the other, today there were two ministers that were supposed to speak and they wasn't able to, they weren't able to speak and everything, every day something happened. Thank you. J.R. Pride asks, are the reforms an attempt to make the Supreme Court more impartial? And if so, is this the best way to accomplish it? It's Again, it depends who you ask. Uh, those from Rotman and Levin camp will say that the reform wants the Supreme Court to be balanced. Um, that until today, it was balanced, it, it wasn't balanced, and it leaned mainly to the left um, values and the way of uh, thinking. Uh, judges used to choose themselves, and they choosing um, in the family, and their friends, their members, people they know. From the, the camp, the other camp, they are saying that the reform and giving the power to choose judges to Knesset members from the coalition and the opposition, it's making the, the process of choosing judges a political. And judges will be chosen by political and they will represent the politicians' um, views. So again, it depends who you ask. Who is the person you can go in Israel? Um, you can stop someone that voted um, Likud and he will tell you that this is the best reform and we were depressed by the left uh, for 30 years because of uh, Aaron Barak um, activism, uh, judicial activism. You can walk 10 steps 
meet another person that voted labor or merits, and he will tell you that the reform uh, will uh, deprive, will make Israel a dictatorship. So it's really, I, I can't even explain how the, the opinions are, are divided um, in one city or on, in one street in Israel. Um, I don't know what will be in the end. Thank you. Barack Korkmaz asks, so if there will be no compromise, what do you think about the protests? Will they ever stop or will the government fold? It's interesting questions. Uh, there was an interview in one of the news channels a day ago uh, where Amit Segal, which is a very well-known journalist in Israel, asked one of the pilots that said that uh, they won't fly their uh, their uh, pilot uh, under this government. And they began speaking and then this pilot said that uh, this protest is no longer about the reform, it's about the government, it's about the people of the government, um, et cetera, et cetera. So if you take his words, then even the reform um, will softener or will be different. Um, for them, it might not be enough, so the protest might continue. Uh, but he is one person. I can't tell what the other are thinking. Uh, but this is a voice, a voice that's being heard in the in the in the news studios. Um, uh, and like everything, almost everything I'm saying today, we will just have to see how things goes by how they develop for now it doesn't seem the protest uh, are demolishing uh, even though the new version of the reform as i said uh, was criticized by the camp of levin and rotman which are saying the new version is too soft it's too soft you are breaking you by the protest and by the politician so you mentioned uh, pilots not showing up for, for their service. Uh, is there any sort of legal recourse the government can take against essential personnel, such as the army reservists who aren't showing up? Is there anything they can do? Uh, would they even do anything if they could? I think they're debating what to do. Um, you know, on every pilot saying that he won't show up, that there is a new a letter of uh, pilots that are saying that they are volunteering um, to take the place of those who say they won't show up. Um, I don't, I mean, they can choose to do something. I mean, if someone is not showing up, I think they can tell him that we are not inviting you anymore. Even if you want to, we won't invite you for a reserve duty. Um, whether they do it or not, uh, each one in his opinion, uh, but I don't think that, I think right now it's mainly in the discourse. It's nothing that practically happened. If you ask me if something will happen and a war will break, then everyone will show up. Absolutely. So on that note, uh, Carrie Hillebrand asks, if Netanyahu wants to concentrate his attention and resources on Iran, uh, how does this sit with the fact that the proposed changes in consequent social disorder 
are undercutting Israel's critical relations with the U.S. and the UAE, uh, not to mention the sapping of economic position and dissolving of Israel's social coercion. If I understand the question, the question is how can Israel deal with Iran during this situation? Well, I think a country um, should deal with different aspects, especially Israel. Um, it's not the first time that we are dealing with uh, security pressure and uh, inner uh, issues. Um, we are on the 75th year for establishing Israel. Um, Call me an optimistic, but I believe that also this uh, phase, we will be able to go through it. And, uh, and and I think that Netanyahu would like to have his mind peace. I mean, to have all the other places quiet so we can deal with Iran. But you know, reality is always different. And uh, here in Israel, even if people are thinking about it, we don't feel like the protest it changed the economic um, in a bad way. Uh, I remember that when everything, when everything just happened and they, they were talking about how this reform is going to hurt the economy. And then about two weeks ago, we saw the news like everyone about the banks in the US. And then we saw how to Israel, a huge amount of money was coming back to Israel um, in like a day or two because different Israeli high techs and stuff take their money and brought him back home. So I think everything is so dynamic. And I'm not a government person. I'm not an economic commentator, so I can't tell. But as a citizen here, I'm trying to take everything in balance, hearing this voice, these voices, and... Uh, see things not in an emotional way or too much. Absolutely. Uh, Stephen Orlo asks, if this chaotic situation continues, as it seems it will, how will it affect the Abraham Accords and also the readiness of the IDF to uh, take on the potential attack against Iran? To be honest, I think that the Abraham Accords, again, it's only my opinion, are the most uh, solid thing right now because I think these agreements are based on a mutual interest of the countries um, security interest, financial interest um, I don't see how it's evolving I mean you know you they had the opportunity to um, to evolve the situation or the relationship during events uh, that Israel in their eyes or in Arab states' eyes uh, acted against the Palestinians because it's more related to them or the Arab world um, wants to see them reacting when it comes to Palestinian issues. But if we've gone through those issues and the Abraham Accords are still there, I don't see how inner issues in Israel are dealing with this, especially that some of these countries have inner issues um, which might create, which might gain more focus uh, when it comes to human rights and uh, other things. 
Thank you. Doris Rose Strauss asks, what about BB's deafening silence? Uh, do, you, do you think that there has been a silence on uh, the part of the prime minister or has he been addressing this? Uh, Regarding the reform? Yes. And he can't everything. speak about it because the, the legal advisor of the government said that he can't. So he can't relate to this. All right. Well, that makes sense then. Um, so uh, if the judicial reform is passed, but it can be shot down by the Supreme Court afterwards, what, what exactly can come from this? Um, if the Supreme Court will abolish the, the reform, then I think it will just be more chaos. Just to give you an example, yesterday, in a press release of the Minister, Minister of Finance, Betal Smotrich, he was asked by one of the journalists what they will do if the Supreme Court will decide to uh, abolish the reform. And he said that he, his answer was that the question itself is not legitimate. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, we only have about a minute left here. So we've come to the close of our webinar and podcast. Nava, thank you again for taking time to update us this week and taking the place of Ashley. Thank you, uh, Stacey. Thank you, everyone. Of course. And for our viewers and listeners, please join us Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern for a webinar with Abdul Rahman bin Damnan discussing my Islamic education. Thank you all for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks.